What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Sean Salisbury Show here on the Believe Network. He is Sean Salisbury. I am Adam Sager. You can follow us on Twitter at Sean Unfiltered at Adam G. Sager. Got a ton of football to preview coming up. We had a, another really, really shitty Thursday night game. We'll get into just a little bit before we start breaking down this weekend's games. But as always, we're brought to you by Bet Online. Yep, and football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, meaning Bet Online features the betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to get all your favorite sports and events, whether it's MMA or Major League Baseball, tennis, boxing, and even golf, among all the other great sports. Head to Bet Online AG. That's Bet Online AG to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BLEAV. That's B L E A V. Capital B L E A V believe to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Well, Sean, if I mean, I, I don't know how many people used bet online to bet on that game last night. Um, I hope if you did, you took the under uh, because that game was never even threatening the over. 12 uh, 7, the commanders come out with a win. Uh, we've talked about this before. I'm a Bears fan. And I go on Twitter this morning. I got off everything last night after the game just because it's exhausting trying to watch Twitter and, and watch the game and people bitching about this, bitching about that. And, you know, I came back and I watched a little bit of it again this morning. I don't think Justin Fields played as bad as I thought he did initially last night. I thought he made some really good throws. Yeah, there's stuff he's got to work on. There's stuff that he clearly does not trust any of those wide receivers to get open. I mean, because he's, you know, he's not throwing some and he's running and, the offensive line is just a sieve. They just, I, I saw the left tackle had a PFF grade of, I want to say it was 32 in the pass game in the left guard. Now this isn't a, this is not me making this up. 7.6 was his PFF grade in pass blocking yesterday in Lucas. That means they're not blocking Terry. anybody. They're not blocking anybody. And he's running for his life and give him credit. He's making plays with his legs. He, you know, he made the big play that almost won him the game at the end, and he's made other plays with his feet. And, you know, there's sometimes where I want him to throw the ball away, but it's like, you know, if he's not making a play with his feet, they're not making plays, period, because right. even the run game has kind of come back. Khalil Herbert was really good. But watching that game, the Washington offense is terrible. Like, there's nothing to look at that Washington offense and say, they got this to look forward to. There's nothing. I think Carson Wentz is going to get replaced soon. I do. I, I just, it gets to a point where there's some trend going on here in his last, you know, with the late in Philadelphia last year in Indianapolis, even though he put up decent numbers, there's something outside the numbers, whether it's clutch performance, playing in clutch situations. And now in Washington, where I didn't like the Ron Rivera, who I love, you know, called him out in public, as we've mentioned, mm -hmm. but I do, I do understand the frustration about his performance because he has not elevate people's play. And he hasn't three years, four years. He just hasn't. And it's not just him. There's a lot weapons-wise of the philosophy and scheme. And it goes with both different. And here it is, Sags. You, you know, Justin Fields. And, and I'll be, I went back and watched some highlights. I did not watch one snap of the game last night. I, I was watching. I watched the Astros during the day. 
had some other stuff to do, had some business. I'm studying for my master's, as you know, my last mm -hmm. semester. Yep. And so I put it on tape and didn't watch it last night. And I woke up this morning thinking, well, thank goodness I didn't would have never got that three plus hours back. But there are things I need to go back and look at because I'm starting to see a trend in Chicago of, well, inside there using his legs for designated runs. I mean, dialed up runs for Justin Fields to give you a chance in the red zone in close, right, where he's not just creating. But also I feel like they're afraid to – I don't feel like they're giving him the best chance to succeed. Does that make sense? I think yeah. back to – I know they can't block, but changing his launch point for him to throw – I don't think even in the play calling, they're giving him much chance to succeed offensively. At some point in time, you got we got to find out where the next level of his game is. And you keep doing this at some point, we're going to, I don't want him to forget how talented he actually is. And I think they, they squash that and say, just go make me a play. There's, there's, there's got to be something else that they can do to help this kid have a chance to succeed. Because if he plays average, they don't have a chance. If he plays bad, they got no shot. And, and I don't know when we've seen their offense consistently play good. I mean, they've had moments, but it's, it's a tough watch. And Washington's unwatchable offensively as well. At least I can look at Chicago and say that guy and that guy. Washington's like, like you said, where are they going? But I, I don't know what the answer is in the offensive line, but that left side's bad and Fields is running for his life. And what happens is he's a big enough and physical enough kid on third and one. I should be able to give him the football. He's, he's about 235, 230. Yep. He's a big yep. boy. So, I just think dialing up plays, there comes a point in time when you say, okay, we've got to do something, even though we don't have a lot of weapons, maybe by dialing up and manipulating coverages and with the way we formation and move things around that we can actually create some space for him to throw in. Because it, whatever both of those teams offensively are doing, that ain't it. And that's a problem. Yeah, it's just it's frustrating as a Bears fan to sit and watch because you know, the, the, the final play of the game, well, not the final play, but the, the Bears last play on the fourth down at the goal line where, you know, I had friends immediately text me, David Montgomery's wide open out in the flat. Well, I mean, that's where, you know, it's hard to talk to some people who don't really understand the game of football, even a little bit, because, yeah, you could clearly see David Montgomery, there's no one within 10, 15 yards of him. But you also got to know that the play starts at Darnell Mooney, on the That's right exactly side, right. David Montgomery is going to the left. It's not like Justin Fields is going to look to Mooney and be like, oh, he's covered and look all the way back to his left. They work that way. And to be honest, he made the right throw. He hit Darnell Mooney in the hands at a high point, and Darnell Mooney's just got to catch the ball. If he would have just caught it right. and fouled it right then, it's a touchdown because he was past the goal line. But it was the bobble exactly and then right. coming down outside of the goal line where he caught the ball. It was just uh, – frustrating but to be honest i like seeing what you know the last two weeks we've seen fields have big drives at the end of games and it hasn't worked out they have not scored and they've lost both games but again to be honest i'd rather them lose games i'd rather them have that third pick at that, this you know, stage yeah yes i mean it, it's just but you still have to see more growth from justin fields if you're the bears right and you have and they got to help him and you yes. got to see some flashes to enable him to, because the next level is getting through progressions. But if he doesn't have long enough to set his feet to get through progressions, then he uses his strength, which is to bail out and go make plays and keep going. And he has put him in position in two weeks to win, and they haven't come away with it. But Sags, you can there's times and for people that are watching when they can set their TV and see the guy's wide open. Well, the progression you may have all week long said we're going to work left to right across the field or right to left, depending on. Mm -hmm. 
hash mark, middle of the field, down a distance situation of the game that we like this matchup. And if you if the first guy is open or you think you can make the throw to the first or second guy, then you throw it. You, now, it's always – well, the third guy was open. Well, his head's not there. He hadn't got to that read yet. Now, if you start the other way and the guy's wide open in the flat, you don't throw it, and that's your first read, like we saw Russ Wilson do last week yes, on the slant yep. route, then that, now I got a problem with it. Okay? Well, you go to the side, but we get this, oh, my gosh, he's, yeah, he's open. But he's open when you get – if they started progression on one side, you, you don't have eyes on – you got to start the progression, how the coverage dictates and how coach and you have worked on it all week. You want it back? Yeah, you switch and say throw it to the flat there, but didn't have chance. And you got to catch the ball, man. You you have and to finish. Tell me this, if I'm wrong. To me, 99 out of 99 quarterbacks has their number one target man-to-man and on the goal line, basically, they're going to throw that ball. I, I mean, unless it's just he falls down or something, they're thrown to their number one target. And while he shouldn't be, Darnell Mooney is their number one target, and that's who he should be going to. When it's man coverage, the best you can hope for in football as a quarterback is creating mismatches and with that man coverage, and then you find your best matchup and and you take that shot. I mean, that's that's what you're hoping for and everything. We're hoping that we have dialed up something that gets my best guy, not on your best guy. And if it is your best guy and I still like my guy, I go there one-on-one. We, you beg for it because zone, you go through progressions. If it's one-on-one, they'll tell you, put your foot in the ground, get the ball to him and let's go win this. Let's go win. And, you know, unless like you said, the guy falls down or he gets mauled and you can't right. get off him and the rest, then, then it's a different story. But everybody leans on just like in any job, you lean on your best salesperson when you need something closed, you lean, whatever it is, you're not taking the vehicle in the shop that can kind of make it a hundred miles because it's, you know, that it's a little beat up, but you know, it'll last, but you're not sure if it can win and not sure how far it's going to get you. You take what is whatever your perceived best weapon is because it's got a full gas tank and let's go. And you throw and that's what you do. And it's the same thing here. You've got to make that, take that shot and you've got to have help. You can't make every play by himself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on to some headlines uh, before we start kind of breaking down some games this weekend. Uh, we'll just stay right there in Washington. Report came out yesterday that Daniel Snyder reportedly has dirt on a number of NFL owners all the way up to Roger Goodell. And he's told them he's not afraid to use it. He's not afraid to put it out there. And uh, according to the report, it's very, very damaging for a number of of owners, including Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. What do you make of this situation? Is this just Daniel Snyder being Daniel Snyder? Or do you think more owners are like this and just kind of holding those cards, you know, behind their back? And if they need it in a certain situation, they'll play one or they'll play two of them. And uh, what's your thought on this? It feels to me like NFL ownership's a dirty business. It, it doesn't does. it? it? It does. It, it feels to me like it is a dirty business. Now, it is unfair when you say that because there may be somebody who's clean as a whiz. It's like people who break an NC2A via a coach or a player, we automatically assume every school in the country, every player in the right, country, every right, coach right. is doing it, a recruiting violation. Well, this is bigger. Now, Segs, I tried to, you know, I had Ian Rappaport on yesterday and trying to get both sides, and I asked him, and he he thought that the the, the, the research, you know, Seth Wickersham, they did a great mm-hmm. job on their story. A long story to get into, but he also felt with some of his to what he understands is that 
the hatred that now that Jerry is what has turned his back on Daniel and they're not friends anymore, whatever mm-hmm. that, you know, I know it's a long article and, and well done. Is it maybe not as been severe as they think he wasn't refuting the story is correct, but didn't think that, that that relationship was completely done and gone. I guess what I'm saying, that's, those are my words, but kind of paraphrasing him. Yeah. And, and he also, and he's an insider. So he talks to all these guys and felt that if it got worse with this stuff with Daniel Snyder in the vote, 24 owners have to vote him out is that if it was financial or something to do with stealing money from owners, right. That I guess what, I don't know if we call it, uh, I don't even know if it's called commingling of fun. I know what that when it comes to banks, yeah, kind of like the shared revenue and, and right, that right, kind right, of stuff. Right. Exactly. Right. Whatever that is. Now that's serious business. And that'll, that don't you start messing with their money. They'll run you out. I mean, now, that's like federal crimes. That, and that's stuff, well, that's that, what yeah. I'm saying. That goes beyond the NFL. The, the, right, the feds right, get right. involved with that. Those guys with the damn, uh, with the windbreakers on start coming <laughs> to your house if you're Daniel Snyder. They start right? taking all your papers and, and, and computers. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Make you stay right there. No yep. move. Um, <laughs> But I, I personally, do I think there's more owners like this? Yes. And say, I'm trying to visualize like Daniel Snyder. And you ask if this is him. Well, hell yes, it's got parted, doesn't he? Right. I mean, can't shock you with the toxic building he was allowed to be, to be run. I don't, I've met him a couple of times in my, in, in my passing of doing features on a, when I was, they were the Redskins and I was at ESPN and, you know, he was kind to me, but it was semi in his infancy where he was still getting rolling, but was, was fine, but I haven't dealt with him in years. And so. And not surely not like the rest of the folks have, but imagine Sig's going into any relationship and you feel like you're going to start taking notes and keeping a journal and stuff. When you go to dinner with five owners at a Super Bowl that, oh, that guy was talking about this, this person or that guy was talking about this trip he took without. I mean, all this stuff, whatever it is, financial info, whatever it is, and being able to store that away and say, you know, at some point in time, 40 years from now or 20 years, I'm going to use this. If all the owners are like that, we're dealing with a mafia you know, you're done. We're going to get rid of you. And the next guy's going to replace you. You know what I'm saying? It just, it feels weird to me. Um, would it shock me if one owner, if they all didn't have something on another to protect themselves, would it shock you? Hell no. Right. It no, shock no, me. no, not at all. I believe he's got stuff, but I don't get the feeling that Ian Rappaport thought that whatever they have now, that if it's not in that financial world, because Daniel Snyder doesn't want to leave, you know, like Robert Sarver gave it up. He caved because of the social media and the rest of it and not being forgiven. Daniel Snyder, I think, stubborn. I, he doesn't want to sell this team. He does not want to give it up. So you're going to get that battle. And if he really does have dirt, the question is how much? And are these guys willing, like somebody, to protect that family and say, yeah. we'll deal with him and we'll keep him in and we don't want that to happen. So I don't know. I don't have one ounce of inside information on that kind of stuff other than I've heard both sides of it. My guess is that a bunch of them would like him out. But if he does have enough or the right guys in that room are trying to or want him in, that he won't be removed from the ownership. If they, if it was going to happen, it sure is taking a long time, right? Yeah. They've been talking about this for years. Yeah. So we'll see. It just seems odd. It seems like it seems like the business is too dirty in the old, I'm going to gather information on you. So 25 years later, who goes into a relationship like that? I try to go into a relationship thinking, which is stupid. I'm going to trust everybody in the room, which obviously yeah. gets people hurt too. There's, I guess there's a fine line, but. I, I just don't understand the whole concept. Yeah, it's a seems like a dirty business, but it's a big financial business. You know, yeah. you make a lot yeah. of money doing it. And, right, and they're but I just can't picture the way they have to say right. You know, like I just can't picture. You know, we got Dan Snyder doing this reportedly, and you know, 
then I think of like Virginia McCaskey, like 101 or whatever she is. She out right. here like got all these files on people. She's got yeah, her Mr. kids. Mr. and like, Mrs. Working. Rooney and the Hunt family doing <laughs> yeah. something like that. You'd say, no, of course exactly. they're not doing this. Right, right. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have time to be doing stuff that, that, that only that, that right. is so childish and seems so awful to do. Hence why they always win and they run great organizations, right? So it's yeah. weird. I don't know. It it, it just fits the the persona of Daniel Snyder. Oh, uh, another an, another story we saw yesterday that, well, isn't surprising, but you know we kind of have to wait and see what happens, and we already know the punishment. Uh, another woman has come forward against Deshaun Watson, and and you know her story is very similar to the rest, and, and it, it turned into you know a. She was forced into a sexual um, encounter with Deshaun Watson. And I don't know what this means in terms of his suspension. I know we've been told that this suspension is for this group of what they've heard. And then if more come out, they can go and they can, we can go through this whole thing again. If he has another say 25 women come forward, they could use all 25. They could use four or six, whatever it was like they did last time. And it's just, you know, you're, you're five, six weeks into the season and Deshaun's supposed to be back in just over a month, five, five weeks. And now here comes another woman claiming the same thing. Well, judging from the way this has been handled, Sags, here's what I'm going to bet. Guess again, it's a civil lawsuit, not a criminal. Right. It's, right. it's yep. another civil. So it's a financial. He's not going to do any, not got anything to do with jail or anything like that. Right. I would imagine if 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 it, if it's one that they filed it and they're they're really starting the process of doing it, that cash will exchange whatever that is that they're talking about, and Deshaun Watson, this will not affect one game of his suspension. And you know why, Segs? You know what they're going to say too? If if they wanted somebody wanted it to, whether you like it or not, just just with the pro sports we're living with right now, is that they're just going to say, well, it happened under the the, the time umbrella that the other gals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't happen yesterday. So they're, you know, and I don't know if there's money. I don't know anything about the woman. I don't know if, you know, they said in 2020 sakes, right? So we're talking yeah, yeah, pushing yep. three years it's, ago, right? So, yep. but it's still, it's still not okay. And you got to, you got to obviously investigate it and the rest. But I would imagine the worst thing that's going to happen, other than the scars that everybody get, gathers from these things, is money's, money's exchanged and everybody goes about their business and, you probably won't hear a lot about this, Eggs, and he'll be ready to go and come back and play whatever. And it's like you said, six weeks, half the, you know, six weeks or whatever, sometime in that mid to late November, early December time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right before the show started, I saw this on Twitter, um, and it's something we kind of hit on real, real fast in the last episode. Uh, I said it was a bitch move that he did it, and that's Tom Brady kicking Grady Jarrett after the sack that, you know, we all talked about because it was called roughing the passer. It was clearly not roughing the passer. But Brady has been fined just over $11,000 for kicking Grady Jarrett. So it looks like Brady's going to be fined on the play where Grady Jarrett was flagged. And there's no fine coming for Grady Jarrett because, as we all know, the sack was perfectly fine. Well, then that ought to tell you. The truth is that Brady, as much as I like Tom, that was all on Brady and the officials. Grady Jackson did nothing wrong. The officials and he, and he reacted should. to Tom Brady's actions of kicking him off like, you know, he did something dirty to him. And it's Tom Brady. That's yep. exactly right. You get the benefit of being Tom Brady in this and being a great player and 
80 years in the league and stuff. So, and they find him, which is you find it, it, something's missing here. Segs, we're going to find the guy who kicked him. We're going to penalize the guy who made a clean tackle. And then we're going to move on from it. Like nothing happened, but we're going to change rules because of the Tua situation. And then we're going to lose the integrity of football because for quarterbacks, because we're not allowed to touch him or tackle him. It's this thing's so far out of whack. It's unbelievable. We have to, well, not we, the NFL has to come in with something in terms of either each coach gets an extra challenge to challenge personal fouls on sportsmanlike conducts. Um, you know, if they see something that they deem is a person, you know, if, if that's not called that the coach can throw a flag or there's a referee up in the booth that says, hold on, that's, you know, I don't care if it's every penalty because these referees are getting such big play. Look at the Bears game last night. I, I don't know if you saw it, but on the third down, the fields threw the ball. I think it was Dante Pettis in the corner of the end zone. And I mean, he had a guy just pulling on his shoulder and he's trying to make a catch and he's got his arms like this because he's being pulled on before the ball's there. And it's like, that's a clear pass interference that would have gave the bears first and goal from the one with 45 seconds left. And then we don't have that fourth down play. So uh, something's got to be figured out in terms of if the referees are going to keep missing these many calls and big time calls, like in the Falcons bucks game, then there has to be a, a way to challenge these or there's a referee that says, no, that's a terrible effing call. We're, we're, we're going to stop play just like they do with college in the, uh, what's it called? The um, targeting rule, right. something like that. I mean, it let's, has to be done. Let's look at some logic here. And you're 100% correct. Is why can't we, first off, every single penalty, when I hear, oh, that's a judgment call. Oh, so illegal procedure is not a judgment call. You judge that you saw a guy move first right? or encroachment or any every single call is a judgment call. It's not like we have some electronic computer saying, oh, that's not a judgment call. You saw the the, the crown of his helmet cross over the line of scrimmage. No, it's eyes and it's naked eye of the referee mm-hmm. calling it. All right. So I, I don't want to hear it's a judgment call. And this won't slow the game down. Give them the same amount of challenges. Why isn't every play they have the cameras? That doesn't mean you stop the clock and review every play, but you have. Why can't I review pass interference? Well, I, I don't understand why we can't. I, right. I, I, it makes no sense. It's well, it'll slow the game down. What do you mean it'll slow the game? We down? stop and review it, first down. Right. Listen, that's exactly right. So, what if let's say it's third and five segs, and at the score we're down three or four, mm-hmm. and I'm at the thirty-five yard line, and it's third and five. You know how when the gun, that left tackle, sometimes when the ball snapped, it feels like the left tackle. He's quick. Getting off, he's getting off quick, but he's getting yeah. off on the ball. We saw and, it last night a few like, times. Looks like it's a legal procedure, but it's not. If he's under center, it's a different story because they're all right. But, it looks, but the ball's in the air, so you think, oh, he's off illegal he, procedure, but he's not. So let's say that happens. Boom, illegal procedure on the offense. Third and 10. They blitz on third and 10 the next time. Tackle you for an eight-yard gain. It's fourth and two. And now you're down to fourth and two when it would have been a first down. It would have been third and five mm-hmm. regardless, right? You get my point. Even those cost games. Yeah. So why wouldn't I be able to, hey, let's go up to the booth. Did the guy move? Pretty simple to see. Guy's in his stance. Ball snap. Guy moves. No, he didn't move early. Give him the five yards back. Keep the flag. Right. I, I don't know why every play. Now, when you choose to use them on you, if you use two and lose them, and all of a sudden your quarterback gets hit, and it's not a late hit, or it's a late hit, 
or you're the defense and you didn't let him it was a clean hit like Grady Jackson, and they throw the flag and you have got one left to, to, to throw unless it's in the last two minutes, then damn, we got to stop allowing penalties that are questionable and not reviewed cost us games and then get a fucking apology three days later. Right. I, nobody cares about your apology after. So I don't know why it's such a tough thing for the committee to say, listen, every play's reviewable. You get the same amount of challenges when you choose to use them on you because we're going to review when a guy holds a jersey and you can't get your second arm up. It's pass interference, dude. Right. It just is. Well, we, so, saw, we saw last no, night. I was uh, say you're right. Uh, That's what I want to do. You know, all this emphasis on protecting quarterbacks, which is fine. They're, you know, they're the most important players in the game. But fair it, protection. But sakes, fair. Not over, not done. Yes, fair. So fair last night we saw players. And one protection they've made is low hits on the quarterback. Last night, I, I believe it was Jonathan Allen, I want to say. Uh, he must have tripped or something. He comes flying in at Justin Field and he hits him square in the shin. And you see one of those, like, I was like, oh shit. Like the Justin Fields went down and you're like, there's Brady, you know, or he tore his knee and the season was over. No penalty. It's like, how does a guy come flying in with all these new rules and emphasis on it and and take the quarterback hit at the right below the knee and there's no flag. Like that's the kind of stuff where it's just like, okay, NFL, we need to be you know, we need to be consistent on all these calls because right now we right. see no consistency in anything. You, you got the, you got the cameras review it. Yes. Like I said, if you and I, if you're on my sideline, I say, man, says we got run review left. It looked to me like that quarterback, we didn't hit him late. That was a clean hit. You're kind of waiting, throw the red flag. If he says, listen, we don't need to save it. We need this first down. Mm-hmm. We cannot give this up or we got, we can't give this automatic first down when it was third like in the Texans game with the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars. No, I mean, it was a late hit. It was stupid, but if it wasn't, is my right, right, right. Or if they didn't call it and the Texans said, what do you mean? That's not a late hit. You throw the flag. Okay, use it. You get it back. So it's just, to me, it's the dumbest thing. They're all judgment calls. If you jump off sides, I should be able to review it if it means that. Now, in the middle of a game, you're winning 21 to 3, and you got the ball, and it's third and 7, and it goes to third and 12, and you're backed up at your own 10. Right. You may say, who get, I don't give a shit. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not throwing the red flag. I'm gonna. Be, be, I'm not throwing the red flag because we're gonna get the ball back with two minutes to go, and I may need to save or three two twenty to go, and I may need to save. You get my point. If it's not in the range, or if it's a call early in a game, like in the first quarter, and you say I need to save this for the second quarter, right, or whenever the call is to to, to right. have it in my back pocket. But just like a timeout, says I wouldn't leave any of them on the board. I would not leave any of them on the board, right? If there's a call that's questionable, a pass interference call, throw the damn thing is what we should be able to do. You should be able Mm -hmm. to review any and every one, but you only have the same amount of red flags. You just got to choose when to throw them. And and just like, you know, the NFL does it, we're inside the final two minutes of each half, I think it is, at least at the end of the game. You know, that's a booth thing where, you know, a booth comes down and says, I need to look at that maybe pass interference one more time. I, I, you know, just, I think that needs to be looked at. And you know what? And the problem is I see why a lot of people say, well, we're going to have, you know, much longer games. It's because these officials take forever. Do you know the, the official in the white hat hat goes over and he's in there for four or five minutes looking at a call where we're all sitting at home being like, dude, it's right there. Like it's obvious. Right. Like, what are we doing? But that's a red flag call or an inside two minutes call. They're going to make regardless of who we exactly. review them all right. the ones you're allowed. So if you did that and you're only allowed, if you got the red flag, so many, if you get it wrong, Yep. And if it's inside of two minutes and it takes two extra minutes in a game, 
to see if a guy actually get it grabbed right. him on passing, right, then you'll deal with it, especially if it's your team. Exactly. So I'm ready. You can give me five extra minutes on a three-and-a-half-hour, three-hour and 20-minute game as long as, even if it was against us, if the call is right, I'll live with it. Don't leave me in purgatory where I don't know. We right. should be able to review every play, but with the same amount of review calls. Uh, we got a couple big games this weekend. Bills at Chiefs. I think that's a, I mean, it, it's obviously a monster game. It, it's going to be fascinating to see these two quarterbacks go against each other. I'm pulling up the line now. Right now it's Buffalo minus two and a half. That's in Kansas City. Buffalo is a favorite. Uh, I mean, I, right now give me i wouldn't i wouldn't bet it for squat dude I uh, yeah if squat. if you forced me and you said here's ten thousand dollars right. not your money and you can this is the only game you can bet and you got to pick it i'm probably taking patrick mahomes and the chiefs plus at two and home. a half yeah, yeah at I home think so too at home i think it's gonna be a hell of a game i'll tell you where i'm also leading is like i think the over-unders in like the mid 50s 54 55 and i'm thinking okay if we get what we're going to normally get with these two offenses but Will there be a time? Does this get to the point where the defenses step up and it's a 31-21 game and it's 52, or yeah. it's you know it's 28-24 game and it's 52, right? To where it's a it's a nice yeah. game, but you're like, Ooh. and I'd be I'm, there's part of me that wants to take the under in this game because of all the hype the offenses are going to get, but I'd be I would be tempted. Put it this way, I would take the home team, Segs, in that. Yeah. You know, whether it's Buffalo or Kansas City, I'm taking the home team. It's only a field goal, so it's damn near a pick. I'm, I'm going that route as well. Yeah, and then the other monster game is Sunday night, Cowboys at Eagles. Uh, we know the Eagles are the only undefeated team, Cowboys 4-1. and one. We're still not sure if Dak's going to play or not. I mean, uh, Mike McCarthy left it open. He said he did more than was scheduled on Thursday, which I guess is a good sign, and uh, he's going to work out before the game on Sunday, and they'll make the decision then. Uh, so we won't know till late Sunday if he's playing. Right now it's Philadelphia minus six and a half with an over-under of 42. I'm taking that. Uh, the, I think the Eagles will win the game. I think six and a half is too much. Even if Cooper Rush plays, I think he's been efficient enough. And what tells and Sigs, that I'll tell you what, Jalen Hurts is going to be a, is a problem for the Cowboys defense, but the Cowboys defense is also a problem because they've got yes. players. Cowboys defense is going to be a problem for them too. My thought process is take the under close, but I would I, I would take the I actually am betting it. I'm taking the Cowboys at plus six and a half to keep this within a to me, this feels like a three point late field goal game either way, but I, I think six and a half is too many, too much, even with or without Dak Prescott, because Cooper yeah. Rush is not going to turn the ball over. It feels often. like a a 24 20, 24 21. Right. You know, 21 17 type game. 23 20 game. 23. Yeah. yeah. So right. it feels like right in that range from 17 to 24. And it be inside that six and a half. Uh, and then college right. football, we have a monster weekend. I mean, a monster weekend led by Alabama minus seven heading in to Tennessee with that high flying offense of, with Hendon Hooker at quarterback. And it sounds like they're going to get Cedric Tillman back. They're probably number one wide receiver. Uh, this is going to be a fun game, and Bryce Young's going to play. We all know he's going to play, and this is this is this could be huge for the SEC. We're going to find out just how real Tennessee is, buddy. Yep, because physically and athletically, and I'm on record as saying I do think they're real. They're the sixth ranked team in the country. 
They play fast. Conditioning becomes an issue, but both these teams are going to be well-conditioned. Segs is at home. This is a flyer on an upset special for me. I'm talking about the point spread. Uh, and, and you'd really pull it off if you had the guts to say it's as Tennessee's time. They're going to get after it. They're going to score points. But I know when Bryce Young's there the past game, they score two. And if the game's on the line and Bryce Young has a football, Alabama <laughs> Alabama's going to go score. I've seen that kid do it way too many times in big moments. So I'm anxious to see how Tennessee handles. I mean, I'm, they've been in some big games this year, Sakes, but this moment against the number one team in America, even though I think it's Ohio State right now, just judging from off the way they've played, right? It's not scheduled. Mm-hmm. But the number one team or two team in the country, however you like it, and how they do on that thing when it's you, everybody now thinks you're real. Are you? It's a chance. They beat good teams, but you know what I'm saying, where it's yep. like, where it's different Tennessee, right? This is not Tennessee where it's different, where Alabama comes out and says, damn, after the game, they know they've been in a battle. I'm tempted on this one, Segs. I'm tempted to take Tennessee with the points, but a good Bryce Young concerns me. I think it's going to be closer than maybe people who think Alabama's going to blow them out. I think the offense can keep them in the game, but you have to protect Hendon Hooker so he can deliver the football. That's where I get concerned is, are they going to push that offensive line back into his into his lap? Yeah, if I'm betting this game, I'm going. I'm probably taking Tennessee in the points. I still yeah. have the feeling Alabama pulls out the victory, but Tennessee, with just as many points as they score, I know Alabama's defense is good, but I also don't think Alabama's offense is like putting up 55. I think this is in that like 38, 35 type realm. Of a game, maybe, oh, I, maybe I a little too. lower, because they've got such great team speed, and I know Alabama can run too. But this, this is where they spread them out. They're going to play so fast, and Nick Saban hates that, right? Mm-hmm. When a team's playing fast, the the question is when it gets down to the the head to head man on man physicality. This is this is this test tests your grown man strength. Alabama always does, but I think Tennessee's different this year. I give them a chance. Let's put it that way, six, because they have a guy under center who I don't think is going to wilt against Alabama. Right, and he's a, he's a veteran. He's, this is like his 38th year of right. college football. Uh, then we right. have Penn State at Michigan. That's a Michigan minus seven line. Uh, it's the biggest game yet for J.J. McCarthy. I mean, that's going to be pretty much it every week, but this is his toughest test as a starter. Uh, we saw Michigan handle Penn State last year, beat them, I think, by four. Um, this is a good Penn State team that can run the football. But again, they haven't played anybody like Michigan this year. So it's right. one of those games where we're really going to learn everything we know about these teams this week. Both teams can run it. Both teams can defend you. And both teams are well coached. The physicality of Michigan, I'd be concerned. It's the two. I'm just, I say, as I said at the beginning of the year, the two way thread of JJ McCarthy will be the difference in the game. I like Michigan at home. And, and I, I think the the other difference in this game is what we've seen so far. If, if trends continue, what we've seen, J.J. McCarthy takes care of the football. Sean Clifford will throw you the football. Oh, and, and, yeah. And that's, that's the difference, I think, in this game. And he's game a good is, player, but he will throw you yes. the ball. And, and you only and, need one of those, one of those to right. flip the field and make the difference. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then we got your school, USC at Utah. Utah's a three-and-a-half-point favorite as of now. Uh, coming off the loss to UCLA is Utah. They're going to be angry. Real quick, what's your thoughts here? I know you're not betting. Now, it now, I'm, now I'm thinking about UCLA down the road too. 
Uh, I like USC in this thing. I'm actually a little surprised that Utah's favored. I am too, actually. When I saw that, I was I was surprised. surprised. A little surprised. We saw what they we saw the trouble they had in dealing with, you know, uh, the uh, uh, why am I losing my mind? Thompson at UCLA. Oh yeah, yeah. You know they get dealing and they get the same kind of guy and a better one. Uh, I mean, a freak. Caleb Williams just as freaky, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, can make SC speed. You know, if you're playing him in a phone booth, I would imagine you're going to try to shorten. And they they've got potential to to score points at Utah. We know that. I'm not discounting this at all, and, and I am, I am concerned about there because I know Kyle Whittingham for 35 years, Segs, and he will have them ready to play, especially in this game. And he always does, but they, they, and they know, and they've been beaten twice now by teams that they, they, they will have disrupted their national title going in. They didn't think UCLA was going to beat them. I'll guarantee they thought they were going to Florida, and after what they've seen from mm-hmm. Florida at times this year, they they're coming out of that saying that should have been it. We should have won a football yep. game. So. But it does concern me when a team's hungry. We got everything to play for, and their thing to play for is the pride and just to kick your ass. So, and 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 still battle. So, I, I, SC's going to win. I'm surprised they're not the favorite, but it won't be easy. I could see though late in the game if SC's got them that a little bit of a pull away at the end if they got the ball and can score and yeah. win by ten points. Won't be easy, but I think USC. I think we're headed now to a UCLA USC collision course. Although I still Oregon's scoring a lot of points, you know, and I'm talking about the Pac-12. It's deeper. Utah does concern me. You cannot be thinking about the rival and Notre Dame and all that stuff. This is because four weeks ago, this was the biggest game on their schedule, Segs. Right. Utah. So SC has to treat it as if Utah's undefeated. Yeah, it's it's going to be a monster game. And if USC wants to be treated as a real national title contender, this is the game yep. you have to win. You have to win the game in front of you. Same thing for Michigan. Same thing for Penn State. You know, you have to win the game in front of you when it's your toughest test so far. And one of your t- toughest tests and, you will face quick, all season. Right. And one other quick one says it's sneaky, but it's on the schedule. We is TCU hosting Oklahoma state. Yep, that's the other one I had high three and a half. High TCU. Scoring, right. I, I actually like Oklahoma. I, this is interesting. And it's gone down. Cause I think I had it at four and a half, like yesterday. Maybe I'm crazy, but, and I'll, I just, with both quarterbacks are really good runners as well. Dynamic. I, I'm, I think this, Games in the 70s, Sigs. I take oh, the over. Yeah. I think they're going to score a lot, but this is a sneaky game. And, and the inside track on the on the on the on the Big 12 goes to this one with some teams still chasing. But this is a hell of a game in Fort Worth this weekend. I'm going to take Oklahoma State to keep it within there and maybe win the game on the road. Yeah, for sure. We have a full Saturday of good, good college football. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Sean Salisbury Show. As always, we're brought to you by Bet Online. And we will talk to you next week, break down all these games we just talked about and any other headlines that pop up. Thanks, Sean. Never enough time, brother. Good stuff. I can't Mm. wait. Good luck to your team and my team this weekend. Hopefully we'll both come out and keep headed for that final four that we both want to be in. Right. So we're happy on Monday. All right. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you guys later. See you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.